Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate it. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. And it's a great place to listen and learn. And so many people consider Senior Care Live appointment radio, and I hope you will too. As always, if you have a question, reach out at SeniorCareLive.com or you just give us a call at one 800 331-6445. All right, so last week I was talking about uh, a lot of stuff, and I wanted to wanted to just come back and talk about the Omicron variant and some of these latest statistics. They're definitely headed in the right direction. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. All right, this is straight from the CDC. And this is as of February 16th, of course, 2022. They have a seven-day moving average of daily new cases of COVID-19. In that seven-day moving average... It dropped a whopping 43% compared to the previous seven-day moving average. So it dropped from 213,000 cases, I'm rounding off, to 121,000 cases. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, the total cases so far, total and counting, a little over 78 million. So what do we have? 330 uh, million people in the country. Well, so far, 78 million have been reported. So uh, I would say I could make a really good argument that there are tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of people in our country who have been infected with COVID-19. Many of them didn't even know they had it. They were asymptomatic. They're very fortunate. Some of them had COVID-19, but just seemed like some mild cold symptoms, maybe a little fluey feeling. They didn't get tested. They didn't worry too much about it. 
And uh, and then there, guess what happens? Your body is this miraculous miracle machine. It creates antibodies that are far superior to any vaccine, and that's that's just a fact. Your your body is a phenomenal phenomenal thing. It's a miracle. So, you know, if you add that with the vaccinated people, we have to be we have to be either at or approaching herd immunity. So depending on who you listen to, herd immunity and and these reports are, again, all over the board. But uh, the consensus is if we reach somewhere between 70 percent and 90 percent vaccinated, then we have reached herd immunity. So I think this uh, this stupid virus. <laughs> can I say that? I, yeah, I guess I just did. I, I think it's running out of uh, steam. It's running out of runway. It's running out of hosts. So again, per the CDC, first of all, forty three percent drop in a week from two hundred thirteen thousand to one hundred twenty one thousand. That's spectacular. I about I had to triple check those numbers. I about fell over. So again, per. The CDC, 76% of the U.S. population has received at least one dose of the vaccine. 64 and a Okay, and, and let me say, a lot of those were that Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccination. So, I mean, that that is considered fully vaccinated. 64.5% of the U.S. population has been fully vaccinated. So you've got your two, and then I don't think that includes the booster. Booster's trying to catch up. But, uh, but the bottom line, they're considered fully vaccinated. Okay, so if you look at somewhere between 64.5, I'll go back to my previous point, 64.5% and 76%. Well, if you add in all of the people who have already had COVID-19 and then they're naturally immune, their, their bodies created antibodies. And you know what? The only way you can determine that is if you go to the doctor and you request this, this test. It's a T-cell test. A friend of mine and his wife did it and their T-cells were off the roof. They were uh, extremely uh, naturally vaccinated, if you will. But they had the interest. They had the money to pay for these tests. Most people are not going to do that. But if you add in the tens and tens and tens of millions of people who don't even know they had COVID and you add it into this 645 to 76%, I think we're probably there. Now, I think I have a theory. So I know a phenomenal nurse and she said as early as September and October, this is absolutely a true story. September and October of 2019, guess what their very busy practice saw? Person after person after person coming in with these kind of strange flu and cold-like symptoms. Some of them even had lost their taste and uh, and and their smell and some other just is kind of weird, right? They're like, "What? What the heck is that?" So of course they tested for influenza A and B, negative, negative. They tested for strep, negative. So what does your doctor always say? Well, it's just some weird virus, kind of kind of hanging out, 
Go home, get your rest, drink your water, you know, all the stuff that they tell you. So, and then once we get into 2020 and then now it has a name, COVID-19. Guess what that's, guess, guess what that stands for? It's actually an acronym. Coronavirus Disease of the Year 2019. COVID-19. Did you know that? Uh, you learned something today. If you didn't. So once COVID-19 had a name and then had a list of symptoms, this nurse and all of the other people working in this very busy physician's clinic, they all kind of looked at each other and were like, oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure we saw a ton of people who probably had COVID-19. It just didn't have a name. We didn't know what to call it. We didn't have a, a list of, of all of the properties and symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. So I would bet a whole, I, I'm not going to gamble on it. I'm not going to actually place a wager, but um, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, I, I'd, I'd bet a, if I were a betting person, I'd bet a whole bunch of money that uh, this was here far, far before we knew what it was knew its name, its symptoms. And I would also bet a whole ton of money that there are tens and tens and tens of millions of people unreported. We'll never know unless everyone gets tested. We'll never know. So I think we're probably at herd immunity and this thing is just dying off. It's just pooping out. So locally... How is COVID-19 affecting our ability to visit our loved ones in senior care communities? If you recall, that was an absolute nightmare. If your loved one was in the hospital, you, you couldn't go in to see them. If they were in assisted living or long-term care, any senior care community, they were locked in and you were locked out. We had to have window visits and people standing outside talking to their loved one who was on hospice services, and it was horrendous. Hope to never see that again. And I hope we never see that again in history. But we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't have a vaccine during that time, and we did the best we could to protect these vulnerable elderly people. But it, that, was a, that was a horrible, horrible period for so many people. The people who are locked in and the people who are locked out and the staff who are trying to care for all of these people and trying to communicate and setting up you know, FaceTime and, and Zoom virtual meetings. Not the same. <laughs> right. And, and who are opening the window just to crack so you could hear your loved one. It was just, just awful. But I can say today that largely there is no impact at this time, there are a few places that are just, I, in my opinion, overly cautious. And th they will allow a family to visit, but they won't allow like the general public to come in and take a tour. So at least they're allowing the family. But most places, even if there are some positive cases with the Omicron variant in their building, even if you've got a few folks in isolation, they will allow family to come in and see their loved ones and they will allow the public to take a tour if they're you know considering moving uh, themselves or their loved one into this particular place even if there has been a positive 
COVID test or positive COVID in the building. So we're really relaxing at this point. You still have to wear a mask in hospitals. You still have to wear a mask in senior care communities. But other than that, I think we're moving out of this mess. And like I mentioned last week, a lot of physicians were predicting that this would be over with by spring. And I'm not sure if it will be, but we're certainly on track. All right. The Senior Care Live question of the week. All senior care communities offer memory care. Is that statement true or false? The answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. You can stream the program to any electronic device. My mom does this, and trust me, if my mom does this, you can too. <laughs> no offense, mom. <laughs> but anyway, you can stream it at SeniorCareLive.com, or if you want to use an app, uh, just search Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Use the Odyssey app, and you can get at it that way as well. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. All senior care communities offer memory care. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... True. The answer is true. And you're like, well, now, wait a minute. You said not all of them. Okay, Uh, I'm going to break this down here in a little bit. But it is true. All senior care communities do offer at least some level of memory care, caring for someone with cognitive issues. All of those levels are different. And then if they don't have a separate memory care designated part of the building, a memory care unit, a memory care neighborhood, a special care, there are lots of reminiscent, there are all kinds of names for these things. But the bottom line is if they don't have one of those spaces and you need it, then then that's when you start to get into trouble. I'm going to break all that stuff down. But let's start to talk about memory care. Here are some statistics that are, this is depressing. (laughs) I don't mean to bum you out, but uh, there are currently more than, are you ready for this? 55 million people living with dementia worldwide. And there are nearly 10 million new cases of dementia every single year worldwide. This is the one that's uh, pretty horrifying. They're all horrifying. Someone in the world develops dementia every three seconds. That took my breath away. Now, the same person doesn't develop dementia, and then you count to three, and they don't develop it again. That's a person develops dementia, a new person, every three seconds. That's just stunning. 
And then this is from the our friends at the Alzheimer's Association. More than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. And by the year 2050, this number is projected to rise to nearly 13 million. It will more than double by 2050. That's horrifying. In the United States, Alzheimer's and dementia deaths have increased 16% during the COVID-19 pandemic. So here's part of what happens. Once you, once uh, a resident or, or anyone has become isolated and they're not around their support system and they're not around people that they trust and love and recognize, they just start to fade away. And the symptoms of Alzheimer's and dementia start to accelerate. One in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. It kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Did that catch you off guard? Alzheimer's kills more individuals than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Man, that is stunning. These numbers are all stunning. In 2021, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia will cost our nation, the United States, $355 billion. And by that year 2050, remember we said that that's going to go up to 13 million individuals with Alzheimer's. So by the year 2050, these costs could rise as much as $1.1 trillion with the T trillion dollars. More than 11 million Americans provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. These people are absolute heroes. They're the unpaid family and friend caregiver. I talk about the family and friend caregiver a lot. On this program and over all the years, 11 million, actually over 11 million Americans provide care for their loved ones. In 2020, those caregivers, that 11 million caregivers, provided an estimated 15.3 billion hours of care, and they're, they're unpaid These are unpaid family and friend caregivers. But if you put a market value on that $15.3 billion, their care that they're providing is worth $257 billion. It's just unbelievable. uh, This stuff, this goes on and on and on and on. So if you get into too many numbers and statistics on the radio, you start to lose folks. So hopefully I didn't lose anyone. Just wanted to make the point. This is a big darn deal. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Now I've had Dr. Jeff Burns uh, from the uh, KU 
Alzheimer's Disease Center on the program several times. I'll have to give him a call and see if uh, see if he would be interested in coming back on again. He is just the the coolest guy ever. And he, he speaks in English, right? <laughs> He's not one of these physicians that will speak over your head. When, when, when he talks about all, everything to do with Alzheimer's and dementia and, and all the stuff, it's just so easy to understand, so down to earth. And he always has his smile on his face, too. I, I just love him to pieces. But I always ask him on the show, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? And he very uh, perfectly explains that Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. And uh, so, and it's probably the most um, known form of dementia. Uh, if if it cannot be categorized, they, they'll just call it just general dementia, but there are all kinds. There's vascular dementia and frontal lobe. And I, it goes, I think... I don't know. I looked this up one time. It was like 70 or 75 different types of dementia. So the medical community is getting very, very uh, detailed and really getting this fine-tuned because different types of dementia need to, need to be treated differently. But with 55 million people living with dementia worldwide and nearly 10 million new cases every single year, and a new person developing or being diagnosed with dementia every three seconds, that one, that one freaks me out, <laughs> right? It's such a huge deal. So what I'd like to do coming right up is just talk about, you know, memory care. It's a term that's just thrown around everywhere. Oh, oh memory care. What is that? Well, I'm going to define what that is, who it's for, and I'm going to really break that down so you don't want to miss that. Don't go away. I'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast of all of the recent episodes at SeniorCareLive.com and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're talking about memory care. I shared a lot of really depressing statistics. <laughs> that last that last segment, man, what... A new a new case every three seconds. Oh boy, yeah, that one's. Let me see. Let me do my math. You carry the one. No, that's twenty people a minute. Twenty people a minute. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm not doing any more math than that because it's depressing. Okay, so you hear the term memory care everywhere, all over the place. Alzheimer's care, dementia care, memory care. I like to just use the term memory care because it kind of covers all of the above. Well, so what is that? What is that? Well, it, it, it generally means the same thing in all of the different settings. Let me say that memory care can be provided 
through a home care provider. At non-medical in-home assistance, there are some home care providers that specialize in providing home care services. That's the non-medical in-home assistance type services and support for an individual with memory challenges, memory issues, cognitive issues. Right? I would say all of them do to a certain extent. Some of them really specialize in that. But once you shift gears and talk about memory care as provided by a senior care community, now we're talking something a little bit different, much more defined. So we're talking about memory care being available to one level or another at a residential care facility, RCF. So in Kansas, we call that a residential care facility. That's the technical term from the state. Don't yell at me because I didn't say community. It's what the state calls it. In Missouri, we have to be fancy in Missouri. (laughs) In Kansas, it's just an RCF, residential care. In Missouri, we have a residential care level one and a residential care facility two. So we have to break that down. I'm not sure why we have to do that, but we do. Memory care can be found in the assisted living level of care. Kansas calls it assisted living. That is the license or the licensure. That's the level of care. Missouri, again, has to be fancy, a little overcomplicated. Assisted living, and they call it option one and option two. Doesn't make sense to me, but there you go. In Kansas, there's a specific level of care called Home Plus, which is just an awesome level of care. And then, of course, you have long-term care, also known as a skilled nursing facility, also known as a nursing home. That's that highest level, that medical model. I've talked about it many times. So memory care is a special type of care that can be found in all four of those levels of care. So as far as a definition, I like to just look at it. I like to be, I like the KISS principle. Keep it simple, Steve, right? That's not what you thought it was, right? (laughs) You thought it was keep it simple, stupid, but I like keep it simple, Steve, a little bit better. Actually, a lot better. So keeping it simple, memory care is a special type of care for a cognitively impaired individual. How about that? Pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry. So, who is this for? Memory care, again, that special type of care for a cognitively impaired individual, is applicable and appropriate for someone in the early stages of Alzheimer's, early level dementia or low-level dementia, if you will, or early stages here, okay, kind of, kind of in the beginning, pleasantly confused, and uh, it's just as important to them, the structure and all of the things that go into memory care, just important to them as it is for the 
severely cognitively impaired individual with Alzheimer's disease that is progressing into the later stages, dementia that is very advanced, and uh, and everything every every step in between. Okay, so it's for anyone who has any level of cognitive impairment. So again, memory care can be offered at the home care level of care. You could even have memory care offered from a home health agency. Okay, so the staff would be familiar with the issues that go along with that cognitive impairment. But let's talk about how it's offered at the facility level, at one of these particular communities, residential care, assisted living, home plus, or long-term care. So let me say this, that all senior care communities offer memory care, which may sound like it goes against a lot of the things that I've talked about before, but remember... They can all accommodate and help out and care for any person with kind of kind of the early stages, pleasantly confused, gets lost sometimes, may repeat their questions, may not remember what they had for lunch today. Okay, just just so it's not it, we don't have any huge issues. You know, a little confused on, on, on what, what they should wear as far as clothing, to appropriate clothing today. Okay, so, so we, just, we just have some, so, some, some early, some mild cognitive impairment. All of them can take care of someone like that. But it's when that person gets past a certain point, that's when we start to have some issues. So when does an individual living in a senior care community need, quote-unquote, memory care? And what I'm talking about there is a specific part of the building dedicated to caring for individuals with cognitive impairment, with certain behaviors attached to that. When do you need a memory care unit or a memory care neighborhood or whatever you want to call it? Again, it's just a part of the building. Maybe you provide just general everyday care and support throughout 75, 80% of your building. And then you've got a small, a small area of the building dedicated to memory care. What does that look like? Well, a couple of things before I get to what it looks like and what is included in, quote-unquote, memory care. Who would need that? So a couple of things. And I think the biggest trigger is that if you become what's called an elopement risk, like elope, like you were going to elope to Las Vegas, well, it's not exactly like that. <laughs> but kind of the same concept. You're going to walk away. You're going to leave. Uh, some people uh, might refer that as a flight risk. So there are two levels of elopement risk. And these places are responsible for your care 
your health and your well-being. So this is a huge deal to them. So two levels of elopement risk. Number one, the lower level is through wandering, W-A-N, wandering. So someone's just walking around. They're not trying to cause any troubles whatsoever. And they're cruising around. They look outside. They're like, oh, what's going on out there? I think I'll go check it out. They walk outside to check it out. It's zero degrees. It's 100 degrees. They walk outside right into the middle of four lanes of traffic. And they don't understand these things are bad things that could harm them. They don't have the capacity to understand that. Okay, they're not trying to cause problems, but all of a sudden, oh boy, you weren't an elopement risk, but now you are. The staff ran out and got you out of the zero degrees or the 100 degrees or out of the street. They get in huge trouble for that, by the way. They have to self-report that, and then they get, the state, the state will light you up if that happens at your place. All the administrators are shaking their head. Yep, that's right, Steve. We get in huge trouble for that. So they have to manage that. Try to anticipate it. So you're not an elopement risk until you are an elopement risk. And that's the lower level of the two. So uh, wandering about uh, will get you a quick ticket to the memory care unit. And part of that wandering is also just very disruptive. You're walking in and out of other residents' rooms, maybe going through their clothes, thinking you're in your own room, looking for your own sweater. Uh, it's, it's very disruptive. So that will get you a quick ticket to memory care. And coming up next, I'll talk about the higher level of elopement risk. I'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, so just about three minutes ago, I was talking about elopement risk. The lower of the two would be through wandering. And again, you're just kind of cruising around. You're not trying to cause any problems. You unintentionally put yourself in harm's way, and all of a sudden, the staff at the community, wherever you might be living, again, residential care, assisted living, home plus, or long-term care, all of a sudden, they freak out. <laughs> They're like, oh, my gosh, we didn't. Now, now, now we have trouble because you could have been harmed. You could. You go outside. No one knows you're outside. It's the middle of the night, and they can't find you till the next day, and it's zero degrees. Guess what? A lot of times, those situations end up in a resident death it's this is a huge huge and then they're gonna they're gonna be sued they're in huge trouble i mean it's a everyone loses obviously right so it's a huge deal and if your community that where, where you're staying if they cannot guarantee your safety through a memory care unit or memory care neighborhood you're out you're going to be asked to leave all right the higher level 
development risk is called exit seeking. Exit seeking. So you are in your room, in your apartment, you're in this this building, you don't know where you're at. You look around, you're like, and you have this flawed reasoning, <laughs> okay? Because you don't understand where you're at or why you're there. Because you have some form of dementia. But you're looking around, and you're like, you know, this place is pretty nice, but this isn't my house. I'm going home. Boom. You're out the door. Well, if the place doesn't have codes on the doors or they don't have personnel to kind of monitor who's coming and going and just walk outside, and now you're on a mission. You're not just cruising around looking for whatever caught your eye outside. You're walking down the street. You're getting away from that place, and you're going home, wherever that might be. That that exit-seeking, that intentional act of leaving the building that's a real tough one to manage. And again, if you don't have a special designated memory care unit or memory care neighborhood in the building, uh, you're going you're gonna to get a discharge notice. If they can't manage that elopement risk, if they cannot keep you safe, you're out. You're out. I've warned about that so many times on the program. So what is a memory care unit or a memory care neighborhood? Well, you're going to need this memory care neighborhood or memory care unit if you're an elopement risk. And sorry, I'm going to back up for a second. The other reason that you might need this memory care unit, memory care neighborhood, is if you're becoming overstimulated in another part of the building. So if you're out in the general care part and there's just too many people, there's too much activity, there's too much noise, there's too much talking, and, and your senses just become overloaded and you become overstimulated and you just start to wind up tight like a top. And then, boom, you blow because you can't take it. And you might be very belligerent. You might even strike out at people because you're just completely oversaturated and completely overstimulated. If that's you and you could, or, or your loved one, and and you could benefit from a smaller setting, lower stimulation, fewer people, fewer sounds, more quiet, that would be the number two reason for needing memory care. So elopement risk and then overstimulation. Those two will get you there. So memory care is a small part of the building, and they're not trying to be stingy. This is 100% on purpose. Typically, memory care neighborhoods are small because, again, a 30-foot hallway is easier to deal with than a 100-foot long hallway. 20 residents, easier to deal with than 100 residents. Okay, you, you get the idea. So, first of all, this space has coded doors. So, you can leave. It's not prison. You can, you can leave. You can go onto and then you can leave that, that unit, that neighborhood, to go to other parts of the building. You just need to be accompanied for your own safety. Okay, so if you have dementia, you're probably not going to remember the code. Although, <laughs> this is comical, it's, it's not funny, but um, the other day I was taking a tour of a memory care neighborhood with someone and they said, oh, uh, that's right, we had to change the code because someone learned the code. 
<laughs> okay, they learned. They actually learned the code, punched the code in, and walked out of the building. Right. So, although it's kind of funny that they figured out how to do that, it's not funny because they could have put themselves in harm's way. They're okay. Everything's fine. But uh, anyway, you have coded doors. Most people are not going to remember the code, so you can't get out of the doors unless you're let out. All right. That pretty much, not always, but pretty much takes care of that elopement risk. It's a smaller space, very much intentionally. Again, fewer people, few, less everything, lower stimulation. Fewer residents, again, maybe 12, 15, 20, maybe 30, versus 100, 120, 150, some places 200, 250 residents. This is a small space. Again, less stimulation. Activity programming is even different. So no one in a memory care unit is going to sit down and play bingo with you for an hour or do anything with you for an hour. Right? They have very short attention span. So you might have an activity for 15, 20 minutes. Right? And then uh, you're not, it's going to be hard to keep them very much longer than that or keep them engaged. So you'll tend to see more activities for shorter periods of time. The other thing you'll tend to see is that activities will go later in the afternoon and then even after dinner into the evening because they're kind of expecting something called sundowning where uh, there's just more uh, confusion, uh, maybe more uh, more tension, there's more energy, kind of have to burn it off and work it off. And uh, I, I, we'll go into sundowner syndrome another time. That's typically associated with Alzheimer's, although I've, I've heard about it with just general dementia as well. But you're going to have that activity programming. That looks different. You're going to have more staff Typically, there's going to be just more staff required to keep eyes on and help everyone in the memory care neighborhood. And let me say that if the senior care community is doing it right, that staff has some specialized training. Now, there's a wonderful lady called Teepa Snow, T-E-E-P-A Snow. She's uh, widely recognized as a top-level dementia care expert. And she has put together training programs on how to train your staff and how to communicate with someone with dementia, how to approach them physically, uh, how to uh, convince them to cooperate with you without forcing anyone to try to do something, right? So, I mean, there's a whole lot to it. Some staffs are following the Tipa Snow model, one that comes to mind right off the top of my head a great memory care place called Maggie's Place at Colonial Village. Uh, Just awesome. They're all trained in the Teepa Snow model. And uh, trust me, that's a big deal. And and there are some other places as well. right? The staff's also trained in redirection to try to get your mind off of one thing and over into something else. So uh, that would be a quick overview of a memory care unit or neighborhood in a level of care such as residential care, assisted living, home plus, or long-term care. If you have any questions about that or you and your family need help finding a memory care uh, appropriate community for your loved one, reach out to me at Senior Care Consulting. We would be honored to help you and your family find the right place and the best fit. 913-945-2800. All right, I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.